0: We welcome you to the tabernacle podcast brought to you by the tabernacle baptist church in hickory north carolina if you'd like to learn more about tabernacle you can visit our website tabernaclebaptistchurch.com you can find other sermons like this one on apple podcast youtube and sermon audio it is our prayer that god has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart well amen let's take our bibles this morning and go with me, if you would, into the New Testament to the book of Philippians, and we come to uh, Philippians chapter number four. We've been in the book of Philippians for a few weeks, and we plan, God willing, to spend a few more weeks here uh, looking together at this thought, stand fast. We're learning to stand fast in the midst of a pressure-packed world, and all the forces that... Are opposing us in this world. Of course, we understand that there is a, a mastermind behind all of it. The na- his name is the devil and uh, Satan is working to oppose us. And we live in a world that is in a world of darkness. And uh, we are living in the, uh, a world that is filled with the fruits of its own sin and its own iniquity. And because we live in a nation, in particular, that has turned its back on God, I believe we're facing the consequences of those decisions. And we're living in a world that is seemingly coming apart. And so may God help us as believers to learn to stand fast. We're In Philippians chapter 4, we're going to begin reading in verse number 1. We'll read through verse number 9. And then I'll call your attention in particular this morning to verse number 5. But let's begin reading in verse 1. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Yodas and beseech Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. I'm glad this morning to know that the God of peace is with me. And that's why we can sing about the fact that it is well with our souls and the songwriter who wrote that song wrote it after uh, suffering the death of his precious daughters and a tragic storm at sea it is well with my soul and i am thankful that i can say to you this morning it is well with my soul the god of peace is with me and uh, as the apostle paul is writing uh, to this church in philippi they are living in a city and in a world that was anything but characterized by peace. But in the midst of their difficulties, in the midst of the uh, swelling tide of iniquity in this world, I'm glad that you and I have peace, and we can live in peace, and we can learn to stand fast, to stand firm in these evil days. And the Apostle Paul is writing to this church at Philippi to encourage them In the face of all their suffering and persecution and the pressures that they were under that they would not uh, that they would not uh, fall that they would not falter but that they would stand and stand firm now we've noted thus far that we're to stand uh, we're to stand fast in partnership we noted that in verses two and three and then uh, last week we noted in verse number four that we're to stand fast in praise we are to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Well, this morning, we come to verse number five in particular. Let your moderation be known unto all men. <clears throat> Excuse me, the Lord is at hand. Let your moderation be known to all men. The word moderation here speaks of, uh, of appropriate and fitting behavior. Appropriate and fitting behavior. And so I take the title uh, this morning, Stand Fast in Propriety. In Propriety. How is it that we are to conduct ourselves? Well, we're to conduct ourselves in a proper fashion as believers. And we're living in a world uh, that uh, really has lost all uh, all restraint of conduct. We're living in a world where anything goes. And uh, so may God help us in the midst of it to learn that we're to behave ourselves as the children of God. Now, I remember often growing up, my my mom and my dad and my grandparents would say to me, remember who you are, remember who you are, and understand uh, what they meant by that. Here's what they meant. When it comes to the way you act and the way you conduct yourself, remember who you are. Remember who you belong to. And I want to encourage you as As Christians today, living in this wicked world, we need to remember who it is that we are. We are the children of God. I trust that every one of you who are here this morning know the Lord is your Savior. The Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Now let me ask you a question. Have you received him? Have you received him? What does it mean to receive the Lord Jesus? Well, we we understand that if we're going to receive him, we must acknowledge something about him. We must acknowledge that he is the son of God. Jesus, the son of God, came to this world and lived a perfect sinless life. He went to the cross and he died. He didn't die because of his own sin. Remember what Pilate said, I find no fault in him. Uh, there was no sin in jesus he was falsely accused and and falsely uh, convicted in the greatest injustice the world has ever seen jesus was condemned and sent to the cross but i want you to know it was all a part of god's plan you see god sent his son into the world that he might give his life as a ransom for us and so jesus christ the son of god went to the cross he suffered excuse me he suffered and he bled And he died, and he made the payment for our sin. They placed him in a tomb, and on the third day, he rose again. And he offers salvation to all who will believe. And I remember the glad day when I received the Lord Jesus as my Savior. Seven years old, I've told the story many times. And uh, from that time forward, something changed in my life. I became a child of God. Uh, As many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Now, are you a son of God? Are you a child of God? That's what that means. The son of God, Jesus, died for you so that you might become a child of God. And as a child of God, you are partakers of his divine nature. Now, if I bear the image of my father, I'm a child of God, that means that my conduct is to reflect the glory of my Father, that I am to take on the nature of Christ. If I have the Holy Spirit living in me, then I'm to be filled with that Spirit, and as I'm filled with the Spirit, things in my life are going to be different. And though I live in a wicked world, though I live in a, in a pressure-packed world, I can have peace, I can be kind, I can be gentle, I can restrain my, my carnal appetites, And I can live in a way that pleases my heavenly father. I hope that's your desire this morning. None of us feel as if we've done a very good job at it at many times. But the truth of the matter is we can live a life that is pleasing to God. Now, I want you to see the context here. We need to back up a little bit. Look again in verse number two. And let's be reminded what Paul is saying here in chapter number four and why he is saying it. So we see here, he says, therefore, verse 1, uh, my brethren, dearly beloved, and longed for my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Euodias and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Apparently then we see that there is uh, there's division, there's, there's strife, there's contention between these two ladies, Euodias and and Syntyche. Now, a few weeks ago, as we looked at this, I, I think I referenced this. Imagine being in the church of Philippi, you've gathered together, and uh, there's a letter from the apostle Paul. Now, if you remember, Paul founded the church of Philippi. He went there and preached the gospel, and many were saved, and a church was established. And uh, so here now, you're getting a letter from the man who came and and preach the gospel to you. And the man who started the church. And we can see uh, Lydia is there, the seller of purple. And, and uh, no doubt the, the prison guard was there, the one who was spared from taking his own life. And uh, the demoniac girl who was a, a servant, a slave. Uh, she's been delivered, and she's a part of that church. And it's growing. And, and, and the gospel effectiveness of the church of Philippi has influenced many, and many have come to Christ so they've gathered together to hear what Paul has to say. And I, I don't know who read the letter, but I can imagine as they're reading this letter publicly in the church, these two women hear their names called. I beseech you, and Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. They had a problem. They, have, they had contention among them. We don't know what the nature of the problem was exactly, but we know there was a problem and it is likely then because it was addressed publicly that this problem, this strife, this contention had spilled over into the church and it had caused division within the church, the effects of which seemingly disrupted the effectiveness of the church. You see, when we act like children, sparring children who want to fight and fuss, about things of no consequence, when we choose to take on that spirit, that attitude, that behavior, let me tell you what it does. It has adverse effects upon the effectiveness of the church at large. All of us have heard about church splits through the years and uh, the testimony that churches can have. So may God help us to guard that and understand uh, that we are uh, to behave ourselves in a way that represents the Lord. Uh, we see that Paul reminded them that they were to help one another. Again, this reinforces this idea that they had laid down their responsibilities as believers because uh, perhaps this, this argument, this strife had, had caused this division and therefore they're not working together. Notice in verse 3, "...and I entreat thee also true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel." With Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Hey, we're not supposed to be fighting one another. We, we are to be unified, and we're to be laboring, working together. That's, that's what a church does. Verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, I would imagine that there was a, there was an issue between these two women, and, and maybe one was disappointed or, or upset that the other... Apparently had been uh, maybe maybe had received uh, some some form of notoriety or or maybe some blessing some gift and and perhaps there was some jealousy or some rivalry here and you know nothing will rob us of our joy uh, any quicker than when we get our eyes off the Lord and we get our eyes on people and we start comparing ourselves with ourselves oh did you see they've got a new car oh. Well, things must be going well in their lives, but things aren't going as well in mine. You see, that's human nature, isn't it? And so he says, learn to rejoice with those that rejoice. Learn to weep with those who weep. And remember that you can rejoice no matter what circumstances you're living under. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. They had lost their rejoicing. They they were going to church, but they weren't working together. They were going to church, but they weren't praising God together and it was affecting the church. And now this divided church was, was, was seemingly taking on not the characteristics of their heavenly father, but they were taking on the characteristics of the world. And so he reminds them here in verse five, let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Now, as I said a moment ago, this word moderation, it has the idea of appropriate behavior, fitting suitable, proper, to be lenient, to yield, to be unassertive. You know, we live in a culture that says you have to assert yourself. Take what's yours. Don't let anybody run over you. But that's not what the Bible teaches us. Uh, And so he tells them to be moderate. A.T. Pearson, describing this word moderate, says forbearance Gentleness, I like this sweet reasonableness. You know, we live in a nation that seemed to have lost all reason. People can't have a reasonable discussion anymore. There was a day in America where civility was emphasized, but now we live in the era of incivility. Uh, Webster defined this word moderation this way, restraint of violent passions or indulgence of appetite calmness of mind, composure. In other words, don't lose your head. Don't lose your head. And we live in a world that is losing its head. But God expects us as his children to conduct ourselves, no matter how the world is seemingly going, we are to conduct ourselves not as children of the world, but as children of God. I want you to note three things we'll look at here in this passage. First of all, we're going to note the excessive behavior of this world. The excessive behavior of this world. Because if there's any word that characterizes uh, the world today, it certainly is not going to be the term moderation. In fact, it's the opposite. It's the antonym of moderation. It's the word excess. The word excess literally means that which exceeds any measure or limit that which is beyond necessity or wants Uh, we live in a world where the lines that have been drawn for thousands of years of human history and western civilization are now being erased seemingly and the, the lines are being redefined. In fact, what we're learning in this culture is there aren't any lines. Just look at the roles of men and women today. We can't even find uh, leading people uh, in our culture, uh, these, uh, the, the shapers and influences of, of modern-day American culture, can't even agree on what constitutes a man and a woman. The last time I checked, we had apparently 69 different genders that you could choose from. There are no limits. There are no limits to who you can be involved with in a sexual relationship and how that can be defined and how that can be described. This is a a land of excess. We see uh, that... Uh, there are excesses of anger in our world. Have you ever seen a time in our nation where people have been so angry? Oh, we've had angry episodes throughout our history, but we live in a time of, I believe, unprecedented anger. Hatred, division, violence. Violence in our streets. Crime is on the rise, murder's on the rise. As I've noted in recent weeks, depression, suicide, all on the rise. There are those in who occupy positions of power who are greedy for more and more power. And now that they have some form of power, what is it that they seek to do with it? Not seek the good of a nation or the good of a people. No, they seek to accomplish their own agenda. There's corruption, there's lust, there's pride. There's immorality and perversion. Just recently, we received a letter from a religious leader on a campus, a religious leader of a campus, a a college campus, very near to us. And uh, the person who wrote the letter signed his name and then included his pronouns. His pronouns. You say, I don't understand that. Well, I don't either, but... We live in an age apparently where you have to define what your pronouns are. So if you want to be called he or him, you write that out on your letter. And so I then am responsible when I see you to say, and I speak about you, I'm responsible to go along with the delusion of your mind and say, well, that's a he or a him or a she or a her, or here's one. This is is interesting. They or them. My pronouns are they and them. Well, that violates all the laws of English I was taught in school. And if we're going to do that, I think we're going to have to go back and fix all the records and just give me straight A's. Because I was unfairly judged. You see, uh, we live in a perverted world that, that is demented and deceived, and those who are deceived seek to impose upon us their system. There's political strife. There's racial division in our nation. There are people who protest and set federal buildings on fire, and burn down churches. And depending upon what political persuasion you may have, there are those who will justify your actions and those who will condemn your actions, even though the actions are basically the same, to destroy property, to to. to to enact violence, to to act in violence upon other people. And we're living in the midst of this, but we're not to be caught up with it. You see, we're not to allow that tide. I mean, a lot of this this stuff, when we hear about it, when we read about it, when we see those, you know, those viral videos uh, that that go out all the time. Everybody's got a camera nowadays. Everything's documented. I, I don't know, I mean... I'm, I'm sure we are having more episodes, but it's certain, it certainly is true that we're having more video recordings than we've ever had. Everybody's got a camera. And everybody wants to post something. And this stuff, they, they call it viral when everybody sees it. There's a movement on to defund the police. I wonder what's next. We're going to defund the teacher when he doesn't give Johnny a good grade. We're going to defund the coach when he seeks to correct Johnny's behavior or he doesn't give him enough playing time. Are we going to defund anyone and anything that uh, violates our safe spaces? By the way, the more safe spaces we try to create, uh, the more danger we find. This is the excessive behavior of our world. There are no limits of morality. There are no limits uh, of anyone's viewpoint. And it gets frustrating. I I don't know of anything that has divided our nation any more than the COVID situation and the mandate uh, for uh, vaccines. It seems like people have lost all reason and all respect and all consideration of one another. something that has just been thrust upon us in the last year and a half of our lives, something we'd never seen before that in our entire lives, and now we're supposed to just all agree. Well, we're not all going to agree. And that's okay. But what we can't do is treat each other so disrespectfully with such hatred and animosity. What we can't do in the midst of this immoral culture, this wicked culture, is think that that's the way we're to live our lives. In fact, Peter writes about this. Go with me, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 4. We're talking about a world that is full of excess, the excessive behavior of this world. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 1, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, Notice this, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, suffered for you. He bore the suffering of my sin and all of its consequences. He bore it on the cross of Calvary. He died for me. He suffered in the flesh. As much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. Understand that as he suffered, you and I are going to suffer in this world. For he that suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of the time in the flesh to the lusts of the men, but to the will of God. As as redeemed children of God, we understand God did not save us so that we could just follow all of our sinful desires. No, he saved us so that we would submit to his will. Verse 3, For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles He's speaking then here of the before they became believers. The way they lived their lives before they became believers. Now notice how he characterized it. When we walked in lasciviousness, lasciviousness is unbridled, unrestrained sexual immorality. Anything goes. We are there in America, right? And beyond. Like Buzz Lightyear. We walked in lasciviousness. Sometimes I wish my mind wasn't this way. (laughs) Lusts, lusts, desires. If you want it, take it. There's an entire generation of young people that are entitled in their mind. And what are they entitled to? What's yours? What's yours ought to be theirs. Excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it's strange that you as believers run, what, a, what an expression here, run not with them to the same excess of riot. Who are you running with? Well, as a believer, I shouldn't be running with this world, should I? And if I don't run with them, they will what? Speak evil of me, verse 4. They're going to characterize me a certain way. But that's okay. That's okay. I need to be willing to suffer that reproach. The excessive behavior of this world. Now, amidst the backdrop of the excessive behavior of this world, we find our second point. Number two, the exemplary behavior of the believer. The exemplary behavior of the believer. God wants to put you on full display into the midst of this dark world. He wants you to shine like lights, brightly in the midst of the darkness. And how are we to shine? We are to shine through our conduct, our behavior. It is to be exemplary. I'm to set an example. Now let me say this to you. We're raising our children in this wicked world. And do you know what our children are being taught? They're being taught to have no limits. They're being taught to live to excess. And how are they going to learn not to do so? Well, they better learn from your example. They'd better learn from your example. And then there's a world out there that's living beyond the limits And some of them are getting a belly full of it. And they're wondering where they can find the truth. And how are they going to know where they can find the truth? Through your example. Through your example. So we are to demonstrate, to display Christ, His Spirit in the way we live our lives. So when we go to the grocery store, we need to conduct ourselves as a Christian. When we bought an item for $5.99, that we knew it was clearly tagged five ninety nine. dollars It was on the shelf for five ninety nine, dollars but they ring it up for 7 dollars We don't have to lose our mind in our testimony, do we? That clerk can't help the, the discrepancy in that store. We need to remember who we belong to. When the waiter brings you the wrong stuff or it wasn't cooked right, and you want to give them a piece of your mind, that doesn't exemplify the spirit of Christ. I remember dining uh, in, I was on a trip with, some, with a preacher and, and a group of preachers and we went to a restaurant to have a meal and I remember the one gentleman that I was with uh, in particular because his meal was not right and he was very, very, very rude to the waiter. Demanded that his meal be taken back and prepared correctly. When they brought it back to him, I thought to myself, there's no way I'd take a bite of that. (laughs) After I talk to the waiter that way, I'm going to let him handle my food. But the truth is I was so embarrassed by that. And we all get caught up in a moment at times. We all do. But we cannot take on the behavior of this world. We're to set an example. Now, Paul exhorted Timothy. Here's what he said in 1 Timothy 4.12. Be thou an example of the believers. Be an example, Timothy. Teach your church. Timothy was a pastor in Ephesus. Teach the church to be examples. Be an example in word. The things you say, the words that come out of your mouth. What kind of language do you use at home? What kind of language do you use at work? Are you an example of the believers? In conversation, the way you live your life, the way you conduct it, the way you go about it. In charity, in your love. You love people. In spirit, that's your attitude. Our attitude should be one that reflects the nature of our loving Father. In faith, believing, in purity. Those wicked comments and lewd comments and dirty jokes. In purity. In purity. This is the exemplary behavior of the believer. This is what God expects. This is what He writes to us. If you're going to stand fast, then you're going to have to exhibit behavior that is exemplary. Now, Go with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26. He says in, in verse 26, Be angry and sin not. And as I said a moment ago, when we see what's going on in our world, it, it's, it's easy to get angry. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. Now, when I get angry, when I, I get full of myself, when I respond in a way that isn't pleasing to the Lord, do you know what happens? Verse 27, I give place to the devil. Now, I give place to the devil. Uh, do you have an anger problem? Do you have an anger problem that manifests itself at home with your wife, your children? Let me tell you, sir, what you're doing. You don't realize it, but let me tell you what you're doing. You're opening the door and you're inviting the devil in. You're inviting him in? Neither give place to the devil, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Are you taking what doesn't belong to you? We live in a world where people want what does what they haven't worked for. They want what they haven't worked for, they want what you have worked for. Well that's what a thief does. He takes. You say, well, everybody over there on the job, you know, they, they manipulate the reports so they can get a little bit more. They clock out a little bit later so they get a little bit more. I mean, that's just the way it works. No, that's not the way it ought to work for a believer. For a Christian. Verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. In other words, my speech is to build people up. That's what edifying means. I'm to build them up, not to tear them down. We live in an age, an era, where there are people who seek to do nothing but deconstruct. They want to deconstruct our country. But there are those who call themselves Christians who they've they've created a cottage industry of deconstructing faith. They want to criticize all the preachers from yesterday and and, uh, all the churches and all the movements and question everybody's motive and examine and dissect their messages to, to attack them. All to say to young people today, you shouldn't listen to this kind of thing. I hope you don't listen to those people. Because here's their goal. It's not to edify. So let no, communi- let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Don't say things that are designed to tear others down. Say things that will build them up and build them up in the faith. Verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. You see, when we, when we do not behave the way we should, we give place to the devil. We take what doesn't belong to us. We tear others down and we grieve the Holy Spirit. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another. Do you know we can still be kind in America? And Christian people ought to be the kindest. Tenderhearted. Not everybody's had the same opportunity you have. Not everybody's heard the same truth you have. Let's be compassionate. Forgiving one another. You know, so-and-so said something to me the other day and I just didn't like their attitude. Well, maybe you misunderstood their attitude. Maybe you don't realize what so-and-so's going through. So instead of just being so quick to take offense and you can't wait to get them back, Maybe you should be tenderhearted. Maybe you should say, I think they just maybe had a bad day. So here's what I'm going to do forgive one another. That's what Paul wrote. Well, why should I forgive them? Well, he tells us why. Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. You see, this is the way Christians are to live their lives. The exemplary. Behavior of the believer. Now, can I tell you this week, I've failed. And so have you. But when I fail, I can confess my sin to my father. I can seek the power and the energy of the Holy Spirit and I can go back at it again. And God will enable me and God will empower me. Hey, look, let's don't get caught up in the excessive behavior of this world. Let's don't take on the spirit of this world. Let's remember who we are And let's set an example. Well, here, let me give you the third thing. Here it is, the expectant behavior of the believer. The expectant behavior, behavior rather, of the believer. Look again in verse five. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Here's something you better remember. The Lord's return is near. I, I said it in the 830 service, I, I can go back into the kitchen of an old country house in, in Anderson County, Tennessee, into a small kitchen, and I can remember the refrigerator and the yellow table, and I can remember having a discussion with my grandmother, that same yellow table is in my office, except now it's not yellow. And I can hear these words, I would not want to be in a place like that when the Lord comes back. Over 40 years ago, just as fresh as if it were yesterday, I would not want to be in a place like that when the Lord comes back. By the way, you don't have to be in a geographical location to be in a bad place. You don't have to be in a place of sinful amusement to be in in a bad place. You you can be sitting in a pew and, and in a bad place in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit. You see, we need to remember something. Jesus could come at any moment. And by the way, he is always with us. The Lord is at hand. He's present with me right now. And he said, and, and as he closed, in, 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 as we read the final verse in verse nine, and the God of peace shall be with you. He is with me. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you everything I say he hears every thought I think he knows everything I see he sees the eyes of the Lord are in every place behold the evil and the good his coming is soon therefore I need to live my life in a way that pleases him because I don't have a lot of time to fool around and neither do you 1st John chapter 3 Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not Beloved now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be but we know that we when he shall appear we should be like him for we shall see him as he is God is going to change us All those insecurities you have one day are going to be gone All those bad habits that you have one day they're going to be gone all the things, the carnal appetites that you have, that you wish you didn't, that you struggle so with. Maybe it's a bondage to some addiction or or something that you you wish uh, you could get rid of, but you're just having such a hard time with it. There's coming a day when it's all going to be gone. We're going to be just like him. We're going to be free from this. What a glorious prospect! Verse 3, 1 John 3, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. You see, when I live in the reality of the return of Christ, it's going to cause me to want to please him more. When I live in the reality that he is with me, that he is near, that what I do impacts not just myself, but other people, it impacts my family it impacts my church it in fact it impacts the lost in my community when i live in the reality of that it's going to change the way i behave myself you see we all have responsibilities we have to fulfill and there's coming a day when we're going to stand before jesus and we're going to give an account and there'll be regrets for some but there'll also be rewards for others and may god help us to understand that we have a responsibility to behave ourselves, not according to the excesses of this world, but we are to let our moderation be known to all men because the Lord is at hand. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com.